0: This week's episode of Podular Modcast is brought to you by Novation's Circuit Rhythm, which is a versatile sampler for making and performing beats. You can record samples directly into the hardware, then slice, sculpt, and resample your sounds effortlessly. Capture your groove quantized or off-grid into the sequencer, and layer up across eight sample tracks. You can invigorate your live set with performance effects, embrace imperfection with the lo-fi tape, study your mix with beat repeat, and much more. Integrate your Circuit Rhythm into your studio, or unplug and create anywhere, utilizing the built-in rechargeable battery. You know that last part is uh, is really really important to me. I've been on some road trips over the last year and a half, and while it was my wife's turn to drive, I had the Circuit Rhythm in my lap, and I was creating beats. Um, and just yeah, so much fun. It's so intuitive. Uh, it's really fun to perform on. And another thing I love about it is it can send and receive some CV signals for clocks so you can sync it with your euro rack system so uh yeah it's kind of a no-brainer for the price and the power i don't know of a sampler out there that is uh more fun or more easy to hit the ground running with so if this sounds at all interesting to you please head over to novationmusic.com to learn more about the circuit rhythm and their other great products let's get into the show Welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name's Tim and I'm so, 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 so pumped to release this episode live from Velocity 2022. We did a pretty sweet panel. Old co-host Ian joined to help me moderate. That was a lot of fun. But we have Lisa Belladonna Daedalus and Walker Farrell, all on the show today and uh, as you know from last week's episode, I had such a great time at uh, Velocity and I did forget one thing I I knew I was gonna forget to to mention one thing, but I want to give a shout out to my good buddy uh, David Lutz aka Lousy Falcon for putting together a jaw-dropping set. So good work there David You're not so lousy, but you are a Falcon I'm going to keep this intro short because uh, I talked a lot about Velocity last week and uh, I just really want to get into it because it's a really, really great chat. But I do want to just say thank you to Patchworks for all your support of Podular Modcast. Please visit them online at patchwerks.com for all of your synthesizer needs. And also thank you to... Afterlater Audio for your continued support of Podular Modcast. If you would like to learn more about Afterlater Audio's amazing modules, please head to AfterLaterAudio.com or better yet, check out our YouTube page. I've been working really hard on putting uh, in, uh, interesting and in-depth demos of our modules up there. I would also like to let you know that I do have some PodMod shirts left. The ones that I've been uh, posting about recently on uh, Instagram. I was selling them at Velocity, and there are some left um, in all sizes. Uh, I have a couple white in some of the sizes, and then a bunch of really cool tie-dye uh, that I actually did myself. So if you would like more information on that, please uh, give me a you know an email or a DM or something on the... Uh, the instagrams 25 bucks including shipping except for international stuff of course that'll be a little bit more for shipping but yeah let me know and finally i'd like to say thank you to everyone who has uh, recently signed up on patreon it means a lot it's what uh, helps uh at not just helps it's, it's the reason the show can go on and uh, you know i'm always hoping to grow it so if you would like to help keep the leds blinking over here at Podmod. uh visit patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. And without any further ado, let's get into the live panel from Velocity 2022 with old co-host Ian, Lisa Belladonna, Daedalus, and Walker Farrell. Hello
1: everyone, and I uh, hope everyone's having a good day so far. Uh, I'm really excited to introduce Tim Held. Tim Held is our community's beloved host of Podular Modcast, a podcast where he brings on modular synth artists, module manufacturers and designers, and Eurack um, like module synth shop owners, to talk about modular and how it's impacted their life, as well as other things. So today, he's going to be moderating a panel with two of our headlining artists, um, Lisa Isabella Donna, and uh, Daedalus, and Richard Devine's flight was delayed, so he's on the way, he'll be performing, but um, Walker Farrell of Make Noise is um, stepping in, and so it's just another twist in this exciting day. Um, it's going to be a great conversation, enjoy it, and without further ado,
0: <laughs> Velocity Seattle, how are y'all doing? Can we give a, a round of applause to Connie and everybody else who is keeping this thing going? Yeah. All right. I have to ask, before I get everybody up here, I have to ask a quick question. And it's one of those things where it's kind of dangerous to ask this kind of question because if the answer is no from everybody, then it'll be embarrassing for me. But don't lie. Please don't lie. Has anybody been listening to the show since, like, the beginning? Like, listen to early episodes? Okay. One, two, three, four. Okay. Well then, I've got a special treat for you. When I first started Podular Modcast, I strong-armed my good friend, Ian, Naturebot Price, into being my co-host. He didn't want to do it, um, but I was too scared to do it by myself, and he's one of the reasons I got into Modular. So I'm so excited to have Ian here to help me run this panel. Come on up, Ian. Give him a round of applause.
2: Hi, 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 hi. How are
0: are. you? Some people know him as Corn Boy. Anyways, uh, if you wanna know what that means, go listen to his latest episode from like a couple years ago. But um, uh, let's get our panelists up here. I have to say before this though, um, at the last velocity, my like my strongest memory was finally seeing in person a lot of these people that I'd actually become friends with or had, had a couple long form talks with. Um, and today I got to have that same experience twice. Um, I, I've already met Alfred, AKA Daedalus. We've hung out before, but Today was the first time that I've met Walker and Lisa Belladonna in person. And if you've been listening to the show, you know that they are both like near and dear to me. So it's this is just really special and I'm really stoked to share all that with you. So why don't we get Lisa Belladonna, Daedalus, and Walker Farrell up on the stage. <laughs> So good to be in the same physical space as y'all. Yes it
3: is.
0: But speaking of physical space, you guys don't live in this physical space. So how was how was the like the trip out? Were you oh. comfortable or was there any snafus or anything like that? I mean, you're traveling with gear, you got stuff on your mind. Ooh.
1: Well, it's been
4: great. I, yeah, harrowing. Harrowing. <laughs> great. Harrowing great. Alternating.
1: I had a flight delay. It wasn't as bad as Richard's because I know Richard was flying from Massachusetts at 7.45 this morning <laughs> after playing a show last night, so I can't complain too much. But I did get in about 5 a.m. my time. Okay. Wow. Wow. Oof. So I'm, Oof. I'm still recovering.
0: Yeah, that East Coast time. It's like t- you know a little time travel there. Sometimes it works in your favor, but not always. Um, can we give a round of applause for Walker for filling in for Richard? Yeah. I mean, Thank you. You know, it's you know, sorry to not have Richard here, but I mean, Walker's here. So like I'm that's honest, pretty. Yeah. yeah. All right, so um last time I did this, I was just telling everybody here off stage that I I learned a lesson in hubris. I thought I would just come up and wing it, and I didn't like the way it turned out. And so this time I was going to prepare. I didn't do that. <laughs> but I did ask some patreon subscribers for some questions, and I decided that because this is a live event and these are some of my favorite live performers we would kind of keep the conversation around there and hopefully we'll have time to maybe get some questions from you guys but just as far as like live performance let's go from Lisa down live performance or talk you know preparation anything like that um, coming out for velocity mm-hmm. like what was the what was the thought process were you like the excitement to dread, ratio, all
3: that stuff. I was just super excited to come out. I was very grateful to uh, Bradley and, and Andy from Patchworks for hooking me up so wonderfully. And... Yeah, it's always I'm always winging it, so that yeah. keeps the stress level down most of the time. So,
0: <laughs> I, I kind of knew what your answer was gonna be, ish. So I knew you were gonna be like, nah, no dread. No, you didn't. No dread. <laughs> well, you're you're not a dread. You don't dread. That's what I love about you. I feel like when I feel dreadful, I reach out to you, and you make yeah, me not you feel know,
3: so it's music. <laughs> I mean, we're all in here for the same same reason. We love synthesizers and electronic mm. music. Mm. I mean, it's the ultimate nerd fest. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, How about you, Alfred? What yeah,
4: you? I was just going to say I appreciate so much that answer because music is that, like, makes it so easy to be affirmed, and yet I'm sandwiched between you and Richard, so I'm terrified in that <laughs> way of, like, am I going to play too fast or too slow? Am I going to possibly, like, fulfill the promise that you're the the kind of setup that you're gonna you're gonna have basically in your set and then be able to carry that forward but then the music will make its own sense and so I can just trust fall into that and as as long as the equipment doesn't go up in a puff of smoke I'm, I'm great today
0: <laughs> that's the one right there and I, I you're I don't you're not performing us are you performing
1: us I tonight? am yeah. oh
0: cool mm-hmm. cool right on
1: yeah um, so I've been I've been too busy to be stressed <laughs> I've had held it at arm's length or well, at make noise we're really, we're in the process of launching a module and um, it it kinda of made us him and haw over weather to go to Velocity for a while because we ended up deciding to launch it a little earlier so that we could have it here. Ooh, um, cool. and then prepping a performance and then we're also um, we're also doing a month long pop up in Asheville oh, nice. starting like next week. So oh, we've yeah. been I've just been like so have so much on my plate that I don't have time to So uh, you're not really on vacation right
0: it. now.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: not exactly <laughs> no, but, uh, but it's fun. I'm glad very, very glad to be here. Yeah.
2: Is this pop up a retail spot or an art project?
1: Uh, it's both. Yeah, okay. it's um, it's it's a month long. It's gonna be we our 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 actual storefront has been closed to the public since mm. March two thousand twenty, and we've had tons of customers wanting to come try stuff out and buy things, and so we're basically we're giving we're making this an opportunity for people to come try stuff out and buy stuff for the first time. It's going to be the first time that the XPO will go on sale to, oh, cool. Cool. to the public will be people who come to that. And then we also have um, some seminars that are happening there. So I'm going to give one on the XPO. My coworker Pete's going to give one. on making DIY reverb oh, uh, with cool. springs cool. and stuff. Yeah. And uh, Banna Hafar, oh, nice. you mentioned before she's uh, going to do a zero coast, um, Presentation for kind of like a beginner's uh, intro to the Zero Coast, and then we also have some artist residencies that are happening there. Um, Several local artists um, from Asheville who we have worked with and respect, and we're going to do a whole bunch of uh, filming of what they do in there. I'm going to interview them, and we'll see. You'll see it on our YouTube channel eventually. So I have
0: to go to Asheville next weekend. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm telling you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
4: uh, (laughs) I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you. Yeah. Right. Just for Twelve Bones alone, right? (laughs) uh Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, Without giving, or unless Ian, did you have a question? I don't want to. I don't want to hog the mic. No, here.
2: no, go go forth. Are you sure, Corn Boy? <laughs>
0: yeah. My little, my little corn sweet. Oh, I've got How questions later. All right, right. <laughs> we'll get to this. Uh, if you should really listen to that episode, if this makes no sense, um, <laughs> I I have a lot to talk about with corn. I try to talk to him about since for to an me hour. he he will talk to you some, about corn for hours. I'm not there's kidding. There's so. amazing
2: developments. He recently. has a hat
0: with a corn husk on it.
2: I corn. bought him um, socks I, with no, corn. No, I left my corn hat in San Francisco. Corn with a K? Is that that sounds like a title no. of an old
0: country song? I left my corn. Right. Hat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's stop being dorks. Um, a specific, without tipping your hand too much, and you don't have to answer if that if this is something you want to play closer to the vest. But as far as this specific set that you're going to do today, like, did you have anything, um, kind of in your head of what you wanted it to be mood wise or like what kind of system you wanted or um you want to try something new or kind of go with something that you felt comfortable with or...
3: just do what i like yeah which is what i <laughs> do which i
0: what i do all the time can i act like on that topic because i know that's kind of your style you like how much improv is in your each live set like do you is it all improv? Do you just follow your your muse yeah. in the moment, or
3: yeah? I mean, in this situation, you know, I didn't bring all this stuff out, you know, equipment wise. So you just go in and you take a look at your palette and you just start composing something and hope for the best. I mean, granted, if I have uh, my, I have a big portable ATA system, Euro system that it makes it a little easier to like do some tunes or whatever occasionally, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. I, For me, the best thing is to get in there and just check the room out and see, well, okay, what kind of trouble can I get into now? <laughs> and that's the fun of it for me, and that's what allows me to, like, challenges me and helps me continue to grow and stay mm-hmm. humbled as a, yeah, as a player, whatever.
0: I feel like I get that vibe from, from you two as well as mm-hmm. far as, like, not wanting to rest on laurels, but kind of yeah, keep yeah. pursuing something that's not only interesting to you, but kind of pushing yourself and trying to, to develop, you know, so like, I knew I just kind of at, like cut off the original question. No, 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 <laughs> I, I can,
4: I can build on that same thing. It's like, I, I do, I, I do think sometimes like, as much as I want this to be a fun festive occasion for all y'all, this is very selfish time. I haven't been going to many shows. I haven't been able to enjoy the thing. So I'm going to play 130 tonight because I need 130 in my heart and my feet. Like. <laughs> I hope you all enjoy 130 because that's what you're getting. Like, that's the kind of thing that I don't want to be, I don't want to be ignoring the audience and I hope we all are together on that, but that's my one needed conceit and then everything else will flow from there. But as long as we're, yeah, as long as 130 fits um, the room, because I do think that's a big thing too, like the acoustics of the space and how it's given it back. And that can be as simple as just the way the monitors aimed or, if it's loud enough to make me forget um, that I'm there, partially to abdicate my role in the whole thing and just let the 130 do its thing. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Okay.
1: Well, I uh, <clears throat> in this in a similar boat to to y'all. I haven't been playing as many shows recently. Um, I basically reconfigured the entire way that I play live in order to uh, in order to prep for this. I didn't mean to. That's just the way it kind of. <laughs> that's the way it just kind of fell. Um, I have always kind of. Made my live system one of a few little cases that have it. They each have kind of a different identity, and I have one that's focused around my Morphogene, and for um, that's a module that plays back um, recorded sound. And are you guys familiar with Morphogene? It. Um, <laughs> so it's it's pretty well known, but uh, I I um, so I I recently got a second one, yeah. which um, which has been very challenging actually to figure out how to how to actually effectively use two of them. Mm-hmm. So I've I've been in a long process of trying to figure that out and I feel like I finally landed on something and okay. I'm going to try it out in front of people for the first time today. So hopefully it's, <laughs> hopefully it's all right.
0: As you were building this you or you mentioned that you were like kind of redefining or re, rejiggering what you do. Did you Think of like when did that occur to you while you were building this case or this patch? Like that. Oh my gosh, this isn't how I usually do stuff. Was that at the beginning, or did you kind of like have an aha moment and like, what am I doing?
1: No, I've been sitting. In, I've been sitting uh, with this ca- this basic configuration in my system for about a year, and I haven't been able to figure out how to use it. Mm, wow. Okay. Like. <clears throat> Because the morphogene is really developed around doing a lot of stuff that you would want to use two of them to use, like, mm-hmm. on its own. We, mm-hmm. we added a bunch of stuff in that would basically, like, take the place of another one um, if you had just one. So um, once I put a, f- a second one in there, I pretty quickly realized, like, I don't know – I have more than I know what to do with. And I thought I was going to pull it back out, but um, I don't know. I just started, I just started to – come up with some new ideas on how to do it. In fact, what I landed on was kind of like what uh what what Daedalus was talking about with uh, with the 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 modular as almost like a, a DJ set. Okay. Like what I have is a morphogene that has a bunch of music that I previously made on it and then the other one is like recordings that are made to complement those recordings. Oh, cool. okay. So they they then they interact in various ways, but I I I almost had to make specific ones made to interact with the previous ones. Okay. And that's, that's the way I ended up doing
0: it. I'd entertain the idea of getting a second morphogene, but now that I hear that you are having a hard time finding a way to use two, I think I'm just
4: gonna maybe pump the brakes on that it's one. It's not gonna oh, stop you, I think is it? <laughs> I, think, I think that's resplendent. I think that's the best thing I've ever heard. Two morphogenes, the possibilities are like <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I. That's it's one of my favorite pieces of music technology. So
0: much so that I did, like, a painting of one for some reason and sent it to Tony, and I'm sure... And I couldn't... I, like, wrapped... I was feeling super artistic, so I wrapped it up, and it looked... It looked kind of... After I was done, it looked kind of like, is this, like, going to blow up? Like, this looks like creepy fan stalker mail, and I was like, ah, I'm going to send it. Awesome. <laughs> Anyways, um, so what... Like, as far as, like... I know, like, like following... So, if you have some pre-made stuff, like, you're still doing, like... I'm sure there's some improv in there still, right? Like...
1: Oh, yeah. I always... My, my set is always 90% improv. Okay. So yeah. th- but I know what that's... I need is a, a base from which to improv. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't usually play, like, unpatched to begin with. Right. I'll come up with a configuration that kind of, like, has some places I can go. Mm-hmm. But I'd never, I never have an actual roadmap for okay. it. I, I, I'm, I'm very much in the free improv.
0: I kind of get that sense set. from all yeah. three of you. And I'm wondering, like, if that is the case going into a set, do, do you kind of keep a few things in the hip pocket to fall back on just in case you're not feeling the vibe or something? Like for you, is it like a particular scale or mode or something that you like to get into? Or is it more tech based or something?
3: Oh, it's more just like, you know, I make sure that I have some sequence or some drone or something if mm. things get messed up but most of the time you know unless there's just something really disastrous happens. It's, it's like watercolors you know it's controlling the mistakes as you sort of weave whatever comes you know and that's mm. to me that's, that's part of the dopamine for me, for me mm. getting to do that you know Yeah, but awesome. I'd say a sequence or a drone or something
0: see? It's always safe to have safety nets. And even Lisa Belladonna will have safety nets. Take that, like, store that in here when you're thinking about building your next set, you know? I love for you, Alfred?
4: Yeah, no, I mean, just having volume control. I know it's such a silly, it's the most powerful effect we can have in Iraq. And just, like, a little sense of input and output, entrances and exits is such a huge, huge thing. And so things are going wrong. It's not about, like, crashing it closed and ceasing it. It's about riding it in its discomfort to the place where you can either get it restive and comfortable again where you can find that those wiggles and let them rest or you can indeed like lean into the dissonances and the kind of train wrecks and let it be a little discordant and then when you find consonants it's that much more powerful and Uh plenty of music theory leans in that direction we just don't tend to to go towards music theory we tend to like ignore it because it isn't intrinsic in our systems and so to like just borrow a little bit of that it's like be a little uncomfortable and then that can be its own like special zone yeah. to like punch up from or whatever. That's
0: a good like a good mantra you could boil that down to like don't panic if things start going some like in a direction maybe you're not super into don't tip your hat to the audience of that or tip your hand you know like or I mean I, like I do said, think
4: like, I do think it's good to wear it though I, I think if something's going wrong it's not good to fake the smile or like you know like the kind of like <laughs> look but, what I just did yeah. <laughs> it's a feature like, yeah. like you know the thing's on fire but yeah. uh, at the same time yeah.
1: You were talking about acceptance of failure in your seminar and like where wh- what what space do you allow for the acceptance of of failure or something going going wrong as you put it um i've always tried to make mo- well not always i i think early on when i when i was first playing shows with modular i often tried to follow a plan and then when the plan went wrong that was a disaster because um, <laughs> you know things would, I would be suddenly sweating bullets halfway, halfway <laughs> through the set, and just going, "Oh my God, everything is like everything is is crashing, and burning." So I mostly like I I've, I very purposefully try to make it so that like there isn't really a failure state. Mm-hmm. Like anything that happens is just a, a place that something else can be built on. Yeah, I mean that I, that's hard to get to. It takes a lot of. A I'm lot still, of patching and a I'm lot of, kind of like letting yeah. go of some of the some of your own expectations, but
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, you know, I I'm curious in the in on the topic of live performance. Uh, you all came from a pre-modular world at some point, I assume. Daedalus, I know that you were one of the. Maybe one of the world masters of the monom for a time. I know. I know that was, that was the impression Just cause I Just because
4: there was only one of me doing it. That's the only
2: reason why, I'm curious when modular became what you wanted to focus on and how much time and effort it took to find a groove in performing with it.
4: I could just speak to it really quickly. I, I'm relatively new at Modular. I went to a Nam convention and was asking everybody, is there anybody doing anything with samples in Modular? And straight up 4MS was just like, we just put out the STS mm-hmm. and I was, that was it. I was like, oh, I need to get everything else around this to make this thing go. And uh, then give it my heart and soul and, and m- money. And, um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just that one bit of cleverness. That, that was enough to get me involved. And I know I would have stayed away from modular in general if somebody didn't have that answer. So, and that's yeah. really short-sighted <laughs> of me, but it, I'm so grateful now that the world is, is so much larger than my small thought. And that's still your primary, like, I scamper, still find right? so you, much yeah. interest in it, but I'm, I'm curious about other things, too, mm-hmm, but just yeah. not doing them. Yeah. yeah, I feel like the
0: last time, the last, every time we talk, you've, you've kind of switched something yeah. around, but there's a few mainstays and
4: it's yeah. the, the STS the, has stayed the thing. Yeah. But I mean... The two morphogen thing is phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I started using modular in 2008, and I think that it became the thing, the capital T mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. for me by 2011. Mm. And I reached a point where I was confident, fully confident playing live with it in about 2016. Mm. So it was about eight wow. years wow. Of play before <laughs> I really before I really felt like I knew what I was doing on stage, I think. Mm. But that was partially from failing a lot and having (laughs) a relatively good time doing it. A lot of lessons (laughs) in failure. Yeah, valuable experiences. Well, yeah, where do you start? (laughs) I don't know. I guess,
3: I mean, for years I was more of a session player of various instruments, but then the whole time I was doing that, I was working on modular synthesis And then didn't really have an outlet for it because, you know, in the 80s and 90s, yes, I'm a fossil. Um, (laughs) There wasn't wasn't any audience for it. No one wanted to... It's like, what the hell are you doing? And so I found the way to get to do it by doing art installations. So that allowed me to go in and get paid to do it and get to do some trippy shit. (laughs) And set up... You know, back back then I would just do like a pair of twenty six hundreds and four, six, eight tape decks. And then I would put those into different rooms and 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 again, just sort of weave where I wanted things to go. And I would have a mixer with a rack of uh Uri uh, master filters.
1: Mm.
3: So again things went downhill or I'm like well I don't know what I'm doing all of a sudden pull everything down (laughs) until until the loops start over and and also pay attention to people I would do weird stuff like I'd wear like these big sunglasses and a hat stuff I don't really like to do but I would do it so I could be like incognito and I would watch people (laughs) coming in and like try to push and pull them into a piece of art or into another room where it's like, well, what the hell is going on in here? So it move them in there. And so when I'd get that going on, I would work on another patch. I'm like, are they still in there? <laughs> okay, great. Can I have two coffees, please? And then, <laughs> and then, you know, by the time they're rolling back in, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm cool. I got this going on in this other one. But that's it. Did, that's all I had for the longest time until, you know, honestly, until uh, – I started using the Moog stuff, the Moog mm. grandmothers and the matriarch and all that, and then it just spiraled out of control. And <laughs> yeah, you just keep covering your butt till you figure out what works, what doesn't. And I just want to p- connect, you know? That's mm. all. Connect to a listener.
0: I think the last time you were on the show, we talked about one of these exi- like installations you did, and I, I want to say you said that one of them you played for like. Six to eight hours or something, like with yeah. a couple little breaks. But you're mostly just kind of keeping this yeah. this vibe going for so mm-hmm. like.
3: Yeah, I told you
0: play for six hours. You don't understand. You bring a
3: thermos, <laughs> 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 a gallon of water. I don't know. I think that's part of what makes it a challenge and fun, is to just like, you know, I mean. From coming from a session player background, I got sick of playing tunes all the time. You know, and I have nothing against it. I love song form, I love classical form, I love jazz heads, I love the whole gamut. But with electronic music it's so liberating. It's to me it's the most liberating kind of music because, you know, I mean maybe I'm out of out of touch, but I think by and large most listeners are just like, sweet, whatever happens, happens. I and mean, that's very it's very freeing for a, an improviser or an instant composer, which is pretty much what I consider myself. You know, I mean, if I'm going to do, like, strict compositions, well, then that's stuff you do when there's a blizzard outside. You've got nothing else to do. <laughs> but when I get to come and be around all these amazing humans, it's like I feel like I, if I can have my receptors up and just sort of, get a feel for what the room is like, that's where I learn more about music than, like, sitting here going, well, okay, C-flat on bar 27. <laughs> you know, that's boring, you know, to me, so. I think we can
2: all rally behind that. I think that's yeah. why most of us are into this art form, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, hey, yeah, yeah! yeah. 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 <laughs>
3: right, can, can as, I, as listeners and right. creators, yeah. Can I give Add a shout-out? corn, man. <laughs>
4: Can I give a shout-out to uh, the VJs out there who routinely play for six or eight hours for mm-hmm. a night versus yeah. the most musicians who are playing for, like, our little segments? And <laughs> a lot of the VJs are playing just as much as anybody else, just of the different media. But, yeah.
0: Well, on that topic, some, this has been the hardest
4: code for me to crack, and honestly,
0: the Morphogene has been probably the biggest help to me of cracking this code. But um, a 7U case, how do you turn... A, like? How do you turn um, a seven U case into a thirty minute or even an hour set? That's something that I feel like is. a... I hear a lot of people talking about that difficulty. My first few sets, I didn't do what Walker did. I did the opposite. I went out and was like, I just started modular and I'm gonna play a show. And now I'm like, I shouldn't have done that because <laughs> I like I would get a cool thing, but after three minutes, I that was you you heard what I was gonna do you know and then I was like okay well I've got f- seven more minutes or what yeah. I yeah think- so.
1: Oh, sorry. I yeah, I'm just
0: like, how do you, you how do you, do you have any tips for people as how to, like, stretch that out? Well, I was
1: going to say that I think that a lot, of, uh, a lot of what's interesting about about it as an instrument is that different people have different answers to that question mm-hmm. and there's not really an answer to it that works for everybody and that's part of why it can go in so many different
4: directions.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I do think it's are zooming out, though, in that kind of moment of, like, are you going to take a painterly approach or a sculptorly approach? Do you just you've you built something you just add that one extra thing where it's almost inexplicably then linked to the composition as it stands and you just kind of keep on expanding the universe that you're in or do you just reduce 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 and modular is so good for that yeah. where you can have a single just a single filter just a tiny move can just change your entire ear space and i i, I don't know it's kind of cool where people can fall into the just like the technology as its surface tension of like where it plugs or what it's doing rather than like thinking about the universe you're creating and inviting yeah. people into
0: Yeah, I I think also, like, um, what I, I, sometimes I'll try to build mini patches within quadrants Mm. to kind of go behind and try to make them all work together as a crescendo, Mm. which sounds a lot easier than it is, and I'm not always successful with that, but I think also finding the right utilities to be able to make dramatic changes across the swath of things, but, um, yeah, how about you, Lisa? How do you, like, find a way to, I mean, you, like, I think, yeah, you, you improv so much, you have so much to fall back on, but...
3: Like. Well it depends. Because I don't have a like set system all the time, especially traveling, it's always kinda like, well, you know, this is it's gonna change every time. So it's timing. Mm. You know, it's rotation of rhythm, which of everything is of your space, of how much things you incorporate into a patch or into a performance and how much of, of it you use at once, you know. It's all in the mix, you know. Uh-huh. That's kind of how I feel about it. And just, I try to just build and get to a point where I'm like, okay, I want to move into someplace else. Mm-hmm. Or if I feel the crowd is like, you know, if I don't feel that they're connecting with me, then I'll try to bring in something else. Mm-hmm. And, and just... Have there be contrast, you know, mm-hmm. and you can do mm-hmm. that in a various amount of ways. And if there's at least one keyboard for me, then I can just do it with a delay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get a stereo, an uh, Arion stereo delay, and just like a keyboard, plug it in. Mm. That's it. Well, you know, coming from like the mm-hmm.
0: the um, like a, the pop rock background, I played a, I played a lot of shows, but I've played few modular shows comparatively and as, as weird or as embarrassing as it may be to admit right now like just right now just what I'm taking away from y'all is how important reading the room is and that's something I've never considered because when I played these rock songs they were they were you got what we wrote you know like maybe we'd you know noodle a little bit more during the solo if we had a few minutes for minutes nets beforehand but um <laughs> But, yeah, I feel like that's, that, yeah, that's why I love doing this podcast, I guess. It's just the kind of a, a moment of, uh, well, thanks, guys. I mean, did, oh. you,
1: you, you started with a question about a technical challenge. Mm-hmm. Like, I think most people have probably done that thing where, they're, where they get, you get a 16-step sequence going. You start uh-huh. getting really into it. You're like, oh, yeah, this is great. You hit record. You record 20 minutes of it. <laughs> Yeah. A month later, you listen to it and you're like, "What the hell was I thinking?" <laughs> yeah. about right. I'm not exactly. Klaus Schultz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. It's and yeah, I mean the question is like, how do you how do you uh, you have to set up ways for yourself to break out of that? And a keyboard is one that could that could always like you can always come up with a different melody on a
3: keyboard if you know how to play it. Or just a mixer. If there uh, yeah. isn't a keyboard, then if you just if you just pay attention <clears throat> and take your time. And even if you don't want to consider the listeners and you choose that you want to inflict on the <laughs> listeners, <laughs> then it still comes down to the mix and how you, you know, either bring them in and hold them or you smack them down. Depends on whichever <laughs> it is you wish to do.
1: I think that uh, the... the <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the... The traits of good musicianship in any context are applicable to playing with modular two Mm -hmm. and that has to do with like knowing how to structure things and when one phase should end and the next should begin Mm -hmm. listening to people you're playing with or the audience and those are things that just come with experience Uh yeah
4: i I have a piece of received advice from madlib in this kind of way of madlib oftentimes records his needle drops when he's either preparing material or discovering new material and the idea of recording even just the most random takes because you'll hear something entrained a certain way, like facing a certain way, rhythmically or melodically, that then if, you don't, if you're not there for the receiving end of it, you miss then subsequently, right? Because you, you just kind of get lost in the loop, like you were saying, the long loop, or indeed you kind of get too caught up in where the audience is at rather than yourself first maybe in the mix. And so it's a really cool technique, but then at the same time you have to stay willing and aware of then what that what that means then subsequently and then kind of have the good musical ears to be able to make more of that than just the thing but those needle drops right like just like receive like be it melodically or harmonically or sample wise it's, it's a thing and mm-hmm. it's, it shows up in M- madlib's music often i feel like he's discovering parts of samples that people have done so much with and then doing something new it's re- it's it's like a magic trick
0: huh that sounds like something that could have possibly started as one of those like, happy accidents. He hit record too early and then went back and listened and was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And that's been one of, the biggest, one of the biggest learning tools I've found just as a musician in general, but really, really in, in modular, is how often sometimes things can go wrong but really open up a new path for you and to be open to like, not being like, well, no, I wanted to do this. Like, if something happens and if it's even quasi-interesting, can I make that interesting? Yeah. Can I replicate that and do it again?
2: That's kind of cool. But. Yeah. I th- I'm, when you were talking about it, I think, I've thought to all the techno shows I've been where I hear a snare and it's at two and a half beats instead of three, and the brain thinks it's at three, and then when something kicks in, everyone takes about five seconds to actually pick it up, mm-hmm. and then they go crazy. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious. You know, there's always this gulf between your own perception of a performance and <laughs> how everyone else perceived it. Huge goal. The yeah. best performance I ever heard you do. Me? Yeah, you. You Afterwards, you said, oh, that was shit. It was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. Nothing went right. I was like, no. So I, I'm curious, In. do you have a particular performance that sticks out as perfect as being aligned with what you wanted to happen, and why does it stick out to you? any takers
4: i'm all good i can i can just say this like i've been ruined by good nights that for whatever reason feel right and i just want to live there i want to live in the good performance forever um and usually the ones that are the best are the ones where i'm totally outside of my body and i'm not responsible for what's happening it's the room somehow the the space in between myself and the and the the audience which is equally loud in that moment that beautiful moment And I think fondly of certain nights and the reason even I perform at all is because of those few great, totally, you know, gooey, mushy, beautiful things that just want me to keep coming back like like an addict, so to speak. When the audience returns, returns the energy to you? It's not even that. It's just like we're all caught up in, we're all both totally not thinking, our brains are turned off completely and just the music is happening on the most deep emotional level. Seems like that's when it's best. And even, you know, it's like inevitably you're always louder in the audience, which is an inequity, but then somehow you make up for it and the vibes back and forth. So there is some kind of recall back, but it's not the volume of the audience. It's much more energetic response. Yeah,
2: yeah.
4: I know that isn't answering exactly when.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A few years ago, we make noise through a a New Year's show at a a venue in, in Asheville, and we invited... Richard Devine to come and headline it for us. And uh, he didn't show, us. So I had to headline instead. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, he, he did nice. show, and it was great. But, uh, but, I, but I played at the set, too. And uh, when I was, after, after Kelly introduced me and I walked up to play, I heard somebody in the, in the front row whispering to somebody else, this is going to be good. And I don't even actually remember the performance all that well, but I was very happy with it. I think just having a little confidence boost from somebody who was who I happened to overhear.
0: I love that you took that in the positive way because it could also have worked out to where you heard that and felt immense pressure that was maybe kind of worrying. That yeah, that that
1: would have a lot to do with my like momentary mood at that particular moment. Yeah, it was yeah. giving me more confidence, but I could definitely see it going the yeah, yeah, I, a good point. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I could I could see it going either way for me as well. Yeah.
3: I guess I don't really stay there long enough for me to give a great, you know, answer to that. I just try to like, you know, as soon as it's over, I'm like, "Okay, what's next?" you know? And if it felt good and I felt that, you know, it had a good flow or a good form or a good arc, well then I'm pretty well happy. I try not to get in the way of it. That's my main thing. So if I get too much if I get too much preconceived Ideas about what I'm gonna do and how I'm gonna do it and this and that, then, then I'm missing the whole point of what could come from me mm-hmm. in the moment. Mm-hmm. So, and when it comes to afterward, I I could pick everything apart, if left to my devices. But instead, I just try to be like, hey, worked worked all right. We got through the gig. We got paid. All right, <laughs> kind of like double back
0: on uh, what Walker was talking about earlier, like having this like road map or or, like, kind of just, like, what you could describe as very prepared or overly mm. prepared. I did the same thing for my first few shows, and I always had, like, this notepad that had, like, numbers of, like, mm-hmm. okay, and then, like, after it feels like it's been this long, go turn this knob. And I found that, one, I'd never followed those, mm. and because every time I tried it, was just, like, this doesn't feel right. Um, and, yeah, I just, I, I really feel like I've said this a lot before on the show and and maybe uh, this is this is starting to go to my head but you know getting sentimental but I think there is like something kind of like I look at patching performance or building a you know just building a piece of music is kind of like a microcosm like a, a miniature version of a life or something and mm-hmm. just kind of applying the idea of being present like one thing that I still will write down on a piece of paper is enjoy yourself mm-hmm. like and and like make sure that you are Taking the time to look up and being like "You're sharing this with people, because mm-hmm. I would get so in my head where I wasn't even like aware of the room I was in, and it was just and I felt very disconnected from the whole thing, mm. um, so yeah, I think that just everything you guys are saying is kind of making me yeah I
2: think that way, but um, yeah, get your flow stayed on and stay mindful at the same time,
0: yeah. Yeah, that flow state's really important. I heard about it on this, this Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> Joe Rogan's here. Um, just kidding. So we're getting, uh, I think we're getting pretty wow. close on time. Um,
3: <laughs> well, then I'm out for sure, Then.
0: <laughs> but I thought maybe, um, I don't, I, don't, I sh- probably should have asked about this, but we could ask from the audience. Does anybody have any specific questions for anyone on stage? We're going to get into those questions in a moment, but first I want to tell you about Tiny Crush Mixing. Hugo over at Tiny Crush Mixing helped me get, uh, my most recent release in just in, in really, really nice shape, better shape than I could have got it in. And you can actually hear it below my voice right now. It's a track called Nostalgia. If you've been listening to the show for the last few months, you know that I've been talking about building this track and working with Hugo. And then we even had Hugo on as a guest and we, uh, discussed it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy that it's, it's released. I'll put a link in the show description, uh, he helped me just, I, I, I learned so much. That's, that's what I really valued about our uh, my experience working with Hugo, but he also, like I said, just got this mix sounding so nice. Um, but let's check out some testimonials. Don't just take my word for it. Uh, Amulets, you ever hear Amulets? Yeah, I know you've heard of Amulets. If you want someone who is technically savvy with a heart of gold, Hugo is your guy. How about Nathan Moody? The solid mixes I hear are proof that it is the right recommendation. Uh, Hacked says Hugo is the best investment by far not just sonically but artistically a rare human and an exceptional artist And and I really want to focus on that last testimonial from hacked here because that was that's very very close to my experience Not only does Hugo understand sound and help you find the actual Timbers and just the audio quality that you want for your uh, mix, but he also is very very um, He's very It's very important to him that he understands your vision and helps you uh, bring out what you want in your track. He's not interested in making it sound like his own. He wants to fully understand what you want out of your mix and then do everything he can to help you find that within the tracks. So once again, tinycrushmixing.com if you uh, if you go over there and mention that you heard about it on uh, PodMod, you can get 10% off your first mixing project with Hugo. And one more thing I will say about mixing. I've said it before, but we all, we have to eke out the time between our work schedules and our personal lives to uh, to find, to be creative. We, we don't all have all this disposable time. And Do we wanna be spending that time mixing? Maybe if you're a mixing nerd and really like it, like me, I do really like to do it, but honestly, it was nice to have somebody else do it for a change. Um, But yeah, going back to my point, we don't have the time to mix our own stuff because if you spend eight hours writing and tracking, well, mixing that is gonna probably take twice as long. So that's two more sessions that you could have been writing and recording, but you're mixing so i don't know just something to think about once again tinycrushmixing.com mention that you heard about it here for 10 percent off your first mixing project with hugo um also i just want to um touch on that this track that you're listening to that i was just talking about a moment ago um was mastered by nathan moody over at obsidian sound and it's really nice to have hugo and nathan working together they they often recommend each other to their clients, and it's, it's a nice pipeline to just get everything done from mixing through mastering so you can focus on what is most important to you, your artistic vision. Let's get back into Velocity 2022. Ooh, oh, oh, you guys all raised your hand at the exact same time. Let's go work our way back.
1: Yeah. Uh, my question's for Lisa. Lisa,
4: one of my favorite things about your playing is the beautiful runs that you do on the keyboard. I assume it comes from when you were a kid taking piano lessons. Or, or, How did you get so good at playing those runs? What advice do you have to play better arpeggios? And the other question I have is when you do your recording, you have multiple reel-to-reel tape machines. What, where are you recording with those?
3: Um, the first answer to your question is the runs... You know, the keyboard runs and arpeggios and all that came from playing jazz. First, you know, I really didn't have piano lessons. I was totally self-taught. But I went to the library and would take, like, pipe organ music mm. and then get one hand working and then get the other one working. And then eventually, when I realized how straight up and down that kind of music is and discovered jazz and discovered this sort of flowing lines, I wanted that. You know, and I, but I didn't want it to sound like jazz. I didn't want to sit there and pick out people's solos and all that. So I just sort of de- devised this way of using triads really and expanding that into to things that I like the sound of. The reel to reels, when I use them, especially when I have multiples set up, they could be a, a a lot of different things. It could be different parts of one piece of music, different tape stocks, different speeds, record at one speed, play back at a different speed. Uh, Another tape deck could have um, stuff that's just blown out on it, and then I'll take that and run that through stereo filters. And it also allows me another performance aspect of it where I could start off on the modular and play something live and be like, yeah, that's rad, all right and then start bringing in the reel-to-reels and make you know, another part and get to the point where, instead of just doing classic fade in, fade outs, or stops, you know, I might change the tape speed, add the, the delay of the tape head, mess with the capstan, and just make that part of what I'm doing. You know, Sometimes I'll use a reel-to-reel to control the clock of the modular. And then I'll, you get real ornery with that. <laughs> how, how, is it, how, how, would you, how do you do that? I don't, I don't understand how you would do it. Well, you just take a clock, you get it about plus one, plus two on the tape, and you don't oh, have a stop I, and okay. start. Okay, I got so you, you. don't okay. have that, but you do have the opportunity when you're doing all analog recordings to go back and be able to overdub if you want. Or if you're doing sound on sound, and you're feeding into another set of tape machines. That allows you to create this really amazing sort of choral of time mm. you know it's just slightly adjacent enough that it's like yeah don't need drugs <laughs> <laughs> sound drugs. so you know that's, that's just all in the exploration of that particular black art so yeah you. You're You're
0: you had a question uh, Yeah, um, I guess this is kind of for everybody um, I like when I see like all three of you I see this like distinct mastery and like different mm. like parts of, like, this whole, like, fabric that is, like, electronic music. And when I think mastery, I think, okay, there's, like, so much work that goes into that. I'm just so curious, like, was there ever a moment that you guys, like, became pro, or were you just kind of, like, always like this? Like,
2: was there, like, like, an inflection point, or did it
0: just, like... Was it bestowed upon you? Was it a gift from the gods, or did you have to work...
4: (laughs) (laughs) Both? Uh, I I can, yeah, I can jump in. Um... I definitely felt like I was a wannabe jazz musician, wannabe DJ for the 90s, for parts of the 90s. I was in college and studying, and I felt very outside of the culture, the community. And then uh, eventually there was that inflection point of, well, those other voices, their concerns stopped being my universe and stopped being my worries. And then suddenly I was left adrift and there wasn't. And so I had to kind of forge community. Thankfully the LA beat scene kind of was coming up. There was venues that were happening at the same time. suddenly it, it was an un, no clear points of navigation, but it was that open-ended expanse that was like, oh, well, I'm getting paid and it's passion in life. And that, that felt official enough, but it's interesting how just any kind of no was enough to make me feel like, oh, this is not, like I can't, I'm not worthy of this. And then when I finally was not met with a yes, but more just like, oh, there's room for possibility, then that was when I knew that that was gonna happen. And that was 2002, 2003. So living in that for a while, but um, you know, I don't know. It's funny. It's like what what makes somebody pro, right? When they get the, the award or some kind of somebody else says it, and it has to. I feel like it has to come from inside you in that way.
0: That's exactly how I feel with
1: my massive success. Um. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I don't think I am pro. I don't know. I. Uh, i'm not sure i i think kind of like what you're saying like what where would that moment what what what's the difference between a pro and somebody else i i've one thing that i've that i've noticed in my um time being lucky enough to get to meet a lot of great musicians who who i've admired is that i pretty much almost find that they're just people like everybody else and um I don't know. I've, <laughs> I don't have uh, any great giant insight to that, but I I, I think that um, I don't really like to think of being pro as like a goal for me. Also, I'm not I'm not a professional like touring music musician who my music is what pays my bills. So I have the uh, the ability to not have to depend on that, and that is freeing to me to some degree too.
2: Yeah. I I think yeah. that the world of tutorials includes some. Pro activity mm-hmm. as well, though, mm-hmm. and I think that everyone on stage has shown that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I also want to like add like just to kind of
0: echo something that you said with you know I'm I'm a little bit further back timeline as far as me getting into this scene and, and a little different from your experience, but um, you were actually all three of you, but you were one of the first, all three of you were some of the earliest people who showed me exactly what you just said like this open and willingness and like, you didn't know me. I was just some guy that was like, I'm doing a podcast about this. And you were all so gracious with your time and information and um, that that's, I don't know, that's just been so valuable to me as not only going forward with a podcast, but also like just really putting into context, like what is my purpose as an artist? Like what am I trying to get out of this? It used to be like, oh, I want to pay my bills with this, but now it's like I want to go to Velocity and see all these people in one place at a time and spend quality time with them. And yeah, I don't know. That's, that's been really valuable. So.
3: I've just been doing it forever. <laughs> and, and, and I don't want that to sound like a bragging right. More so, I've put myself in a ton of musical situations and demographics and vibes that I had to climb my way out of every kind of style of music you could imagine and just to do it and just to see if I could learn something from it and absorb something from it to carry my into my muse so that's more important to me about whether I'm pro or not bro I mean <laughs> I, and I just I'm just being playful, but it's just doing it, and you know it, when it is your living, you just kind of just you just go to bed later and get up earlier. I say that a lot, but <laughs> this is kind of what it is. that's being pro. <laughs> I hope you don't like sleep. Um, hey, Connie, do we
0: have time for how what do we got? Should we wrap this up we, we got chat? Ta- oh, okay, yeah. so we got a, I know there was I'll get to you now. I know we saw you earlier. Yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah, so
2: I guess my question. Uh, can be addressed to everybody, but I guess I was specifically
0: uh, noticed that, uh, Lisa, with your recorded music, there's a lot of
3: nature imagery associated with it, uh, the rural American East. Um, and I just kind of wondered if you could talk about your influences and how you find inspiration to make the sounds that you make. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what really got me into modular in the first place was nature and 20th century classical music like mm. the, like the weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to f- figure out well, how can I get those sort of how can I get that celestial range <laughs> of everything? How can I do that without having to get a grant and get an orchestra? <laughs> <laughs> you know, cuz where I grew up, you know, that just wasn't going to happen. So and just living in that environment, you know, and with synthesizers, I mean it's it's, it's what it's all about for me is just having that all of that um, frequency modulation and just being immersed in something you know and that it's just always been a part of it even when I started doing electronic music I lived in this very crazy shack <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and I would leave and go tour but then when I would come back it would just be like that's all I had to do is just sit there and learn and listen and mm. and just develop. It was very, like I said, very liberating. I hope that answers the question. Yeah. Do you guys have anything like nature or environment?
0: Like, well, it, it's
1: you? it. What Lisa was saying made me think about the the way that a synthesizer's is like it's a a a way of creating sound that is artificial in some ways, yet it's. The, the act of doing it so ha, encourages you so much to listen to the types of details of sounds that, at least for me, before I was using synthesizers, I never really listened to sound in that way, and it has extended... Outward from the artifice of synthesizers, out into the way I listen to everything, yeah, and incorporating mm-hmm. all of that into the the world of experience is mm-hmm. a huge thing.
4: Can we shout out Pauline Oliveros right now? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. totally. Dude. Yeah,
3: <laughs>
0: and uh, and also uh, Todd Barton. You know, <clears throat> it's something he 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 shared with me. Um, these these walking meditations or these listening walks that he goes in like, you know he doesn't sit and go um, he walks and he listens very intently and just the sounds that he hears out in in the natural world will inform you know what he's looking for with timbrely or whatever and mm-hmm. um and I like again to echo what you said like I got to a point after playing modular for as long as I have like I listen to traffic as if it's a experimental album now, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I enjoy it. I'm like, oh, I should record this. And then like, for who? But it's right now, you know,
2: so. I, I find it interesting too that a lot of my, f- the synthesizer music that I've really got into early has a rural theme. The music of cluster and harmonia that kind of blew open my world when I was young was made in a farmhouse. And if you think about techno clubs, what people generally associate with electronic instruments it's always city, urban. Mm-hmm. For a lot of this, there's there's a long history of it being something that is in the placid and natural world, and it's fascinating for being a, a technologically driven art form to me.
0: Yeah, and to use well a well stated, yeah, like a juxtaposition of the two. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I made a bet with somebody. I bet I can. I bet I can say just, juxtaposition on the live podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I totally
3: derailed you. Didn't derail me. Oh, I thought you were about to say something. No. Oh, no, I didn't
0: say. I nothing. think I saw another couple hands. We probably have time for a couple more. What's going on? Um,
4: I'm curious if, if you're improvising all your sets. how do you curious that they're different. Do they start to fall in the same shape, and then you abandon those habits, or do you sort of let it go? I can just speak real quick. One of the reasons I wanted to stop using the monom, which was an instrument that I I used for a number of years, or at least I wanted to pause, is because I found my hands ghosting the same patterns. Mm -hmm. And it was just the thing of, like, no reason other than just kind of suddenly, because of the the nature of the shows or the kind of tiredness of my my headspace or whatever, but I would just pattern the same things and kind of fit into the theory, and it was all got crunchy to this place where I I found myself not playing the same underlying music, but my hands, even when I wasn't playing the instrument, would ghost the thing. And I was like, oh, this is, that's not good. So the modular freed me up quite a bit from that, even though sometimes now I find myself um, similarly, but then you just change the architecture underlying and it totally Mm -hmm. messes with your performance space. And I'm grateful for that because, yeah, the mono as much of it's an open-ended, open source idea, the rigidness of the format kind of got to me a little bit.
1: I never make the same patch twice. Hmm.
3: Right on.
4: I feel if
0: I'm starting, I I notice when I start to lean on a module, and I, um, especially if I'm trying to get something going live and I'm not feeling it, um, I will take my favorite module out of my case and force myself not to use it because Mm -hmm. I don't want to lean on it because if I'm not feeling, Creative or inspired, but I keep going back to the same thing that I've been doing for the last few weeks or something, then it's, yeah, just, it's hard to do, especially if you just got it or if it's your favorite thing. Like, yeah, but sometimes you just gotta, like, take it out and see what you can do without it. And maybe what you do without it will actually inform what you could do if you put it back in. And just taking it out of the equation for a minute could actually lend some insight.
3: Yeah, that's gonna be my answer, basically, is just I change my setup a lot. And even in the studios, I have all the stuff. And it's awesome, but you don't have to use it all. So sometimes I'll just okay. have this, you know, I'll have this fixation on, like, I just want to use four voices, or I just want to use a grandmother, or I just want to use a Moog Prodigy and, like, a tape loop. So I just, you know, I just decide, make a decision and commit to it and see what happens. Have fun with it. And there's there's bound to be something to discover every time you limit yourself, as well as use the whole frickin' room and see what happens, you know? And try to really do it, try to really, like, harness it and figure out what that particular moment feels like. It's all mood, you know? It's all whatever you're in the mood to do.
1: Do you all build up from, like, a core concept when you're coming up with a new piece or patch? Is, like, I will often build with, I'll have some little kernel of an idea. Mm -hmm and then see where it takes me. And usually if I'm, if, it's, if I'm building it for a live performance, then I might break it and re- remake it several yeah. times. But like, just seeing where some little idea goes is where I usually start from.
4: Just, I, f- I find myself following enthusiasms and just imagining how much fun it's gonna be. And that mm-hmm. even, I don't even know what the sound's gonna be, but just like that giddiness. And I think that is somewhat infectious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I hope that comes across. I do like a first thought, best thought. Like if I've got a
0: blank slate and I don't, I never start with, I hope it sounds like this at the end. I more like try to get it, coke something out of it that is enticing enough for me to follow. So I do a lot of patching and unpatching very early on. So it's almost like I don't try to like think before. It's just like, oh, that, I generally know what all my modules do. So I'm going to plug this into that and, you know, and then kind of follow that. And if nothing happens within a few minutes, I rip it all out mm. and then, yeah.
3: I'd say leave yourself range range in the mix, range of when you bring in a bunch of envelope generators or just ways to keep things more multi dimensional. At least that's my personal taste, is you know, I want there to be some sort of build each each idea or each something or other. You know. So I do find that when I'm improvising on
1: traditional instruments, I have patterns that I fall into, Me too, and they're hard time, to break yeah. out of. And kind of like you're saying with the mono, you have hand patterns. I have the same thing when I'm playing the piano and mm. stuff. There are mm-hmm. certain, there are certain mm-hmm. things that are always coming back, and I'm not necessarily wanting them to. Totally. And that's that's something that I generally don't encounter with electronic instruments because I'm like com- configuring it in a different way each time, in a way so that like the same gesture is going to do something completely different.
0: Yeah. I recently got back into playing drums, I played as a teenager and I got like okay, but never like really learned. And I felt myself starting to do what I was doing when I was 15. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I always played with two rack toms and a floor tom and I felt myself doing the same fills which are just me hitting and there's no like tech Technique, technique to it at all. I just took the the middle tom out. Yeah. You know, and now it's like now I can't play like I used to. So I'm forcing myself to relearn how to like it's do it. It's the same so, as
1: you're are removing yeah. a module from yeah. your system mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. You
4: should just be like the drummer from Helmet and put that really high ride. <laughs> 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 just saying.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you have to work for it. Um, one more quick question. We got time for one more quick question.
1: I just back there. Yeah, Do You ever play around with it? Do you ever get a chance? There's
4: oh, a, yes. Yeah, there's a label out of L.A. that just is bringing back quadraphonic uh, records. They're putting reissuing, I'm trying to remember the name of it because now oh, I sound like awesome. a, a dork. Do big. they send
0: like the device with it that you can put into your, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You I have a decoder,
4: mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of our, of our whole thing is you can have as many channels, as many places. Not Human in Seattle famously, right, Did, used to do a lot of experiments here. Was N-A-U-T, that? Not Human. Mm, I'm not sure. Moved on to San there? Francisco, but used to do concerts in the Underground City under Seattle, multiple points of audio. Super rad if y'all want to look at that history because that's something that's Seattle.
0: I know Modular Seattle has done a couple quadraphonic performances and and I did one and it was it was pretty interesting. Yeah, like I it's weird to like set up for a quadraphonic show on your stereo and then kind of like on your stereo monitors and then like I hope this works in quad, but yeah.
4: Get that planer too. Good
0: <laughs> My uh,
1: my buddy Rodent, who I work with at Make Noise, is obsessed with with quad, and we did a performance uh, for a Black Mountain College um, uh, conference a few years back. We called it "The Future Leaks Out," which we named after a quote from a, It was a, sna- a snippet of a William S. Burroughs quote Ooh. dealing with the uh, cut up technique for words, and we created a patch where we had basically, like, these recorded spoken word things that we chose of various writers, and it would play snippets of of their readings that were being mapped to the different corners oh, of the room as they were being cut up into new sort of, like, word slaw. <laughs> and, uh, and Rodent and I each had a system that was made for our um, accompaniment of mm. this. And then we had a big system in the middle that was just made to map everything into the quad so with, jo- with uh, planners on mm-hmm. it. And what we would do is he'd he'd play us a part while I helped him with the panning of it. And then nice. I'd, then we'd move into the next spoken words section. I'd play the part while well, he helped me with the panning of it and set up his next patch for the following section because it was like an entire hour that uh-huh, we had to play. Wow. For this. But we made a, a recording of it that um, is in is using binaural. Um, it's using the SoundHack binaural plugins, and our, our friend Mike mastered it for us. And uh, it is on my Bandcamp. If, so if you listen to it with headphones, it. Kind of evokes okay. uh, the four corners Very of the room. Cool. Cool. Very cool. It's it's pretty uh, avant garde though. It's not like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so be ready for that.
4: Yeah, <clears throat> Ambisonics are the future. Maybe if it's a future we choose, could be make awesome. it happen. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. up also, to you. Uh,
1: sorry, I'm dominating the mic for a second. But Tony Tony Rolando, my my boss at Make Noise, he's doing a quadraphonic performance of his uh, late of his latest record. Uh, breaking is a memory he's going to do that in mexico city at mexico in Whoa, october awesome. for the opening yeah. night and he's been working on figuring out how to do quad system stuff for that so so now i have to go to
0: Asheville next weekend and then i have to go to mexico city at some point man I yeah, yeah. get out your, your notebook yeah. yeah.
1: right don't forget to write Busy. enjoy yourself yeah, right. yeah.
0: <laughs> well i think that's that's a good way to end it uh that's that's the takeaway for me. Enjoy yourself and be present. Thank you so much to everybody on stage. Thank you, Ian, for joining me. Thank
2: you, Thank you buddy. Thank you all. And
3: let's uh, let's start listening to some music. Let's give it up for this guy, please. Tim rules. Yeah, thanks, Tim.
0: All right, that's our episode from Velocity 2022. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you if you were a part of the audience and uh extra big thank you if you were in the audience and had questions. On the topic of questions, I did ask some Patreon subscribers to submit some and they did, um, but we wanted to give the audience enough time to uh, to uh, ask questions since they were in, you know, in, in the room. And uh, yeah, we just didn't have time to get to them. So I'm, I'm very, very sorry for that. And if you uh, if you feel uh, slighted or wronged because of that, and I, I I fully fully understand, if you want to send me a very strongly worded. Uh, letter written on parchment paper with a, one, one of those pens that you have to dip into the, the wet the little inkwell Because um, it'll be more effective that way uh, Once again, thank you to patchworks for their continued support of Podular Modcast and for uh, you know Basically making this episode possible by throwing velocity with Modular Seattle I uh, just want to give one more shout out to Modular Seattle as well. What an event so amazing Um, I'm going to be processing that for a while. Thank you to Afterlater Audio for their continued support of Podular Modcast. Please go check them out. Check them out. Check them out. Check them out on the internet in your browser. Type in www.afterlater.com. Or you could go visit the uh, the, uh, YouTube page where I've been putting a lot of cool demos up there. Link to all this stuff in the show description. Thank you to Hugo paris at tiny crush mixing for uh the support of the show and for mixing my track nostalgia which i did mention earlier is released now all funds from that will go to my um uh let's see what should i i'm I'm making it up off the top of my head it's just gonna go to my uh my egg bill my egg bill is through the roof Okay, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm gonna leave you with the end of my uh, my track, Nostalgia. Please go check it out on Bandcamp. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll chat at you next week. This week's secret word is fuzz.